1: Yesterday was Super Tuesday. Democratic voters went to the polls in 14 states, the biggest single day in the Democratic primary. And the results changed the shape of the race.
0: This Democratic presidential race is now a close two-man contest after Super Tuesday last night. Just five days ago, the idea of a two-man race seemed highly unlikely. But what happened in those five days prompted moderate candidates Worried about the rising strength of Bernie Sanders to coalesce around one alternative, Joe Biden. And last night, that strategy seemed to work.
1: To a stunning Super Tuesday for the former Vice President, Biden swept the South, the projected winner in nine states with landslide victory. Today on the show, why moderate Democrats suddenly went all in on Joe Biden and what it means for the race for the Democratic nomination. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh.
0: And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, March 4th. Heading into 2020, the Democratic field for president was crowded. So crowded that even Senator Bernie Sanders, with his devoted supporters and name recognition from 2016, wasn't perceived as a frontrunner by his rivals.
1: For much of the last year, Democrats did not take Bernie Sanders too seriously. Sabrina
0: Siddiqui has been covering the 2020 race.
1: The sense among Democrats was that he had lost his novelty because much of the party had now refashioned itself in his image, even if not as far to the left, having adopted many of his proposals on health care, college tuition. They felt like he didn't necessarily stand out as a progressive firebrand. But then Sanders' poll
0: numbers started to rise, just in time for the first primary contests. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders bragging about his strong finish in Iowa. Wild night in the state of New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders finishing first in the the first-in-the-nation primary. With Sanders' strong showing in the first few races, his moderate opponents started to get nervous. Candidates like Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar scrambled to position themselves as the Sanders alternative. They started attacking him on the campaign trail and ganging up on him in debates. I like Bernie. We came in together to the Senate. But I do not think that this is the best person to lead the ticket. Bernie's label himself, not me, a democratic socialist. I think that's the label that the president's gonna lay on everyone running with Bernie if he's a nominee. We will elect Bernie. Bernie will lose to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump and the House and the Senate and some of the state houses will all go red. Sanders has strong responses to these attacks. He argues his policies are popular and resonating. He points to large turnouts at his rallies and national polls that show he'd have an edge on President Trump in the general election. But moderates thought that there was another reason for Sanders' surge— And it had to do with their own strategy. They believed that they were splitting the moderate vote, making it harder for any of them to beat Sanders for the nomination. And this was actually similar to the situation Republicans found themselves in back in 2016.
1: In my conversations with Republicans who worked on 2016 campaigns, they're all too familiar with this dynamic.
0: Heading into Super Tuesday in 2016, Trump, the outsider, was dominating. And for voters looking for an alternative, there were a lot of choices. Marco Rubio, John Kasich, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson. Each was pitching himself as the alternative to Trump. And each had his own rationale for staying in the race. And so they all did.
1: For someone like Marco Rubio, some of it's just about the calendar. And he was always going to stay in until Florida because that's his home state. Ted Cruz, similarly, was always going to be in the race, at least until Texas. And he was second in the delegate race, as it was. John Kasich was gonna stay in the race until Ohio, his home state. There's all this wishful thinking that it just takes one moment to change the trajectory of a campaign. But while this conversation is happening, Donald Trump is amassing delegates. And on Super Tuesday, Trump amassed a
0: lot of delegates, winning seven out of 11 states. Still, Kasich, Cruz, and Rubio didn't drop out. Sabrina recently talked to Marco Rubio's former campaign manager. He remembered coming up with
1: increasingly fantastical math to justify Rubio's chances. That's how you keep donors in check, and that's how you put your narrative out in the media. It's a delegate race, and no one's going to get a majority. This is going to a convention. We're going to stop Trump at the convention, and Marco's going to be the guy. When I said, did you actually believe that at the time? Or uh, Marco Rubio's campaign manager says, no,
0: of course we didn't believe it. Hmm, He didn't think that that there was a chance that Rubio would actually win at a contested convention or that it would even get to that point.
1: That it would even get to that point. In hindsight, it's 2020, and he acknowledges, he's like, I don't know if we believed it. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. On One day we believed it, the next day we didn't. But at that point, you're doing anything you can to stay in. In the end, of course, Trump won the Republican
0: nomination outright. There was no last-minute upset and no contested convention. There are a lot of differences between Trump and Sanders. And 2016 is not 2020. But as a purely tactical matter, some moderate Democrats might have looked at what happened back then and drawn a lesson. And the lesson is, if you want to beat a surging outsider, you have to coalesce around one alternative candidate. And quickly. And that's exactly what Democrats weren't doing just
1: five days ago, heading into Super Tuesday. No one was dropping out. Joe Biden was never going to go anywhere until South Carolina, which he saw as his firewall. Pete Buttigieg was saying, hey, I'm the only guy who beat Bernie Sanders technically in Iowa, and I was a close second in New Hampshire. I'm clearly the centrist alternative. That's what voters have decided. Amy Klobuchar She came in third place in New Hampshire better than expected, so she felt like she had renewed momentum. And Elizabeth Warren was saying, I'm the only one who bridges the gap between the two, between the liberal progressive wing and moderate Democrats who are willing to give me a look because they don't see me as as extreme as Bernie.
0: Yeah, they all felt like they had a reason to, to stay in the race and be that alternative.
1: Exactly. It was deja vu for any of us who covered 2016. What I started to see in my reporting And what we started to write about here at The Journal was, unless something gives before Super Tuesday, there's no way they're going to be able to stop Bernie Sanders.
0: And then something gave. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. Democrats woke up this past Saturday to a fractured Democratic field a field that looked a whole lot like the Republican primary field in 2016. But by the end of the night, the field would be transformed. What changed
1: was South Carolina. Joe Biden, it was not just that he won, it's that he won big. The race was called as soon as the polls closed. Thanks
0: to all of you, the heart of the Democratic Party, we just won and we've won big because of you.
1: It wasn't even a contest. And that's when you start to see this movement that, look, Joe Biden is back, he has a real shot, and he can, at least is the argument that they're making, that he can put together the kind of diverse coalition you need to win a Democratic primary.
0: And this is where these two stories, Republicans in 2016 and Democrats in 2020, start to diverge. In the face of Biden's big win, two moderate Democrats didn't dig in their heels. Instead, they dropped
1: out. Pete Buttigieg was the first to drop. He made the announcement back home in South Bend, Indiana. What did he say about why he dropped out? So Pete Buttigieg did explicitly say that he not only saw that there was no longer a path, that the path had closed, but that he had to think about the cause.
0: Our goal has always been to help unify Americans to defeat Donald Trump and to win the era for our values. Yeah! And so we must recognize that at this point in the race, the best way to keep faith with those goals and ideals is to step aside and help bring our party and our country together. So
1: tonight- you know, all of that was to say, my goal here is to stop Bernie Sanders without explicitly saying it. And- I understand that the way to do that is to get behind a clear alternative. And he didn't endorse Joe Biden right away, but he did it one day later.
0: The same day Buttigieg endorsed Biden, Amy Klobuchar also bowed out and backed Biden. That night, she joined him on stage at a rally in Texas, an important Super Tuesday state to urge moderates to fall in line. Because if we spend the next four months dividing our party, and going at each other, we will spend the next four years watching Donald Trump tear apart this country.
1: So it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's almost like, it almost looked like a general election rally. Joe Biden has, you know, this lineup of former candidates next to him, pushing for him on the eve of the most important day of the primary. Whether there were conversations, we still don't know exactly what those conversations were like behind the scenes. But one thing was clear, and that's that the party wanted them to coalesce behind Biden as the alternative.
0: And last night, Super Tuesday offered the first report card on whether that move would work. Sabrina was watching as the races were
1: called. We had no doubt that Vermont would be called very quickly for Bernie Sanders, given it's his home state. When Virginia was called for Biden at the very same time that Vermont was called for Sanders... Then we started to have a sense that, oh, this might actually be a really good night for Joe Biden. And then very soon after, North Carolina is called for Joe Biden. And then there's just this movement of other states that very quickly go into his column over the course of the night. It's a good night. It's a good night. And it seems to be getting even
0: better. They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing.
1: By the end of the night, he had come away with nine victories. They're now calling Maine for Biden as well. But it wasn't just that he won a number of states that were up for grabs and therefore secured delegates. He also was declared the winner of Texas. So while Sanders got delegate-rich California, Joe Biden got the other most delegate-rich state of the evening.
0: So this would seem to show that this move by moderates to consolidate around Joe Biden seem to work.
1: I think there is at least some early evidence that the consolidation behind Joe Biden paid dividends. He was heavily backed by late deciders, according to exit polls. Now, you don't want to put tremendous stock in exit polls because they don't tell you the whole story. But exit polls did show that those endorsements had impact. One thing about Joe Biden's performance that was striking and really spoke to the significance of those endorsements and that consolidation was in many of the states that he won, he not only didn't really have much of a ground game, if won at all, but he didn't even campaign in some of those states. He won Massachusetts, the home state for Senator Elizabeth Warren, even though he had not spent time in Massachusetts. He won Minnesota, even though he did not spend time in Minnesota.
0: Biden didn't spend time in Minnesota, but Amy Klobuchar sure has. She endorsed him, and she's been the state senator there for more than a decade. And today, the consolidation around Biden continued as Michael Bloomberg dropped out and backed Biden. Eyes are now on Elizabeth Warren to see if she'll do the same. Moderates, Mm -hmm. you know, made this move to coalesce around Biden, thinking that he would be more electable than Sanders. And they've given him clearly a big boost with the results we've seen on Super Tuesday. But... As we make comparisons to 2016, Trump, the outsider, won. So I do wonder if, you know, maybe moderate Democrats are making the right decision and whether they maybe took away the wrong lesson from the 2016 Republican primary.
1: It is always possible that the moderate Democrats are wrong. I think that if there is not any enthusiasm behind, let's just hypothetically say, Joe Biden, if he gets the nomination— and there continued to be all of this enthusiasm behind Bernie Sanders down until the bitter end, even if it didn't translate into him securing the nomination, then perhaps it was a miscalculation on the part of Democrats. Perhaps they do need someone who is a more inspirational or a transformative figure in order to beat President Trump, who in many ways was a transformative figure in 2016.
0: But Sabrina cautions it's way too early to know whether the moderates' decision to back Biden will ultimately pay off. If anything, what the last few days have shown is just how much can change quickly.
1: In the same way you saw this race change remarkably over the course of 72 hours, that can happen once again. There are a lot of states that have yet to vote, and so there's nothing to say that the race won't take another fundamental turn over the course of the next week or month. This is going to be a pretty long, drawn-out contest. It's a big night for Joe Biden, and it has reset the trajectory of the race, but it's not over. This is really only just beginning.
0: As of Wednesday afternoon, Biden has a narrow delegate lead over Sanders. Biden has 566 delegates, and Sanders has 501. 1,991 are needed to secure the nomination and avoid a contested convention. There's still 33 states left to vote. That's all for today, Wednesday, March 4th.
1: The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal.